How many of you have ever had any conflict ever in your life? Let me see your hand. Ever. How many of you have had conflict every day of your life? All right, yeah, okay. So this message is for you. Every disagreement you have, in whether it's in marriage, marriage never has disagreement, right? Okay, all right, I'm just checking. Every disagreement, every opportunity, every conflict you have, you have the opportunity for either a breakdown or a breakthrough. You break down in a relationship when you do not handle anger and conflict correctly. A breakthrough, though, is when you handle it in the right way and it leads you to a greater level of intimacy with the person that you're having conflict with when you learn how to deal with those things. So the Bible gives us some very clear instructions about how to handle our anger, how to experience a breakthrough. Because misdirected anger can kill any relationship. Look at Proverbs 11:29. The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing left. Anybody ever seen that come true? The Bible is incredible. Don't ever tell me that the Bible doesn't apply to real life. Anybody who says that's not read it. The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing left. So when you have an argument, there are actually three phases. This is on your listening guide. When you have any type of conflict, there are three phases. Phase number one is recognition. Houston, we have a problem. You recognize that something is going on in the relationship. It's kind of the irritation phase. You have a rock in your shoe. You notice that, and it's an irritation. Well, what you do with it determines whether you stay at this level or moves to the next one. In our movie, Monster in Law, it doesn't take long for one of the parties to recognize that there is a problem. Let's watch what happens. Kevin! Oh, I missed you so much. I promise I'll never leave you again. Mm. Look at you. You look fantastic. It's just something I threw together. Come here. What? I'll introduce you to someone. Charlie. Mom? Charlie, this is Mom. Mom, Charlie. Oh, hi. Oh, I'd love to just be able to think of it and make it. I must have spent the last... 30 years looking for the perfect little black cocktail, cocktail dress. dress. Yes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. You can wear anything with your figure. I mean, you look amazing. Oh, honey, thanks. Listen, when you're my age, if it ain't broke, you fix it before it is. Some more coffee. Actually, I was a little nervous about the two of you meeting. 
Really? Why? Well, because it's important to me. Mom, you're the most amazing woman I've ever known. And Charlie, I've never met anyone like you. You're real, you're honest. And although we've only known each other a few months, I, I, I feel like I've known you forever. I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is what are you doing for the rest of your life? Sudden, she's in shock. No, I mean, I yes. mean, I am, but seriously. Seriously. No, no, say no. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy for you. No. Oh my god, I can't believe this. So happy for you. Congratulations. Oh, please. I thought you were going to fight my daughter. Oh, congratulations. I can't believe this. So happy for you. Thank you. You're going to need a moment alone. Excuse me, I'll be right back. Okay. Go ahead, go ahead to the next one. Oh, they're gone? Oh, they're gone? Okay, well, I'll just put this baby back to bed, okay? My son, the brilliant surgeon, is gonna marry a temp. Ah! 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 I need something stronger than this. Where's that martini? Hooch will not solve your problems. Gonna destroy him. It is so clear. She's got no money, no career goals. She's just waiting for a rich innocent to step right in her path. Kevin's smarter than that. Come on, you you raised him well. He's a good boy. Look, there's nothing you can do. Just let it go. You know what you need? A project. Or another husband. You know, why don't you marry another gay guy? That was fun. You know, you're right. I do need a project. And I have the perfect one. I am going to save my son. Here. What? You go use those old contacts of yours to get all the information you can about that little town. And exactly what do you expect to find? Everybody's got a past, honey. Find something. And I'm going to open up the Montecito house and get a party planner. I'm going to give them an party. And then what? Lock her in the basement? When he sees how out of place she is in his world, it's gonna be over. This will end badly. So, Mom realizes that there's a problem. Um, Kevin's mom's insane. Kevin and Charlie don't even know there's a problem. And so what, what happens whenever you have a psycho mom? What does she try to do? She tries to break them up. Now, let me just interject this right here. There are certain relationships that any sane parent would try to break their their children up with them. But this this seems to be one of those good instances. Um, and she plans some really crazy things. Scheming and manipulation is probably not the way to build a strong relationship for the future. Parents, you have some choices when it comes to your future in-laws. 
Um, Viola's choices are pretty bad. She should have known this verse, though. I mean, everybody's heard this verse, Numbers 32, 23. You may be sure that your sin will find you out. Her sin does find her out, and when it does, it moves everyone to the second phase of anger, of conflict. Phase two is reaction. I am ticked off. Now I'm really mad, and this phase tends to get a little bit loud. Both parties know there's a problem. Before, there was only one party who knew there was a problem, and that was the mom. Now everybody knows there's a problem, and nobody wants to back down. So what do you do? Get even. At least that's the Baptist way. Somebody said, I know that's right. Uh-huh. That's the Baptist way. I, I have to speak that because that's the only type of church I've ever been in. But uh, I think that's been a lot of the ways that we've been raised. When someone gets you, you get even, right? Well, here's where Charlie gets even. I'm a little upset, as you can imagine. Well, I know that, and I'm sorry, but your doctor said that you're feeling upset that you should take your pills, not alcohol. So you relax. I'll get them. like what I made. It's one of my mother's specialties. What's that? Tripe. It's a delicacy. Try it. It's like nothing you've, it's like ever, nothing tasted. you've ever tasted. Trust me. Kevin called. He's coming home tomorrow. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I miss him so much. I was thinking maybe the three of us could go to lunch tomorrow. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a great idea, too. I'll make reservations. 
It'll be so much fun. Don't you just love being girlfriends? All right, admit it. How many of you would like to do that to someone in your life? We have four honest people. Okay. Um, we laugh and we think that Viola deserves it, and she does deserve something. But if all we do is we keep reacting to one another, we get stuck in this phase, and we never move where God intends us to go in relationships. Relationships, God has a third phase, and we're going to talk about that, but we never get there because all we do is we hang out in the reaction phase. You think about most marriages you know that are having problems. You think about most families or even friendships that are having problems. It's because somebody or both people are caught in the reaction phase, and all they're doing is reacting to one another, trying to get the other person back. Well, God intends for us to move to phase three. Phase three is the resolution phase. You stay through the reaction period, you keep on working, and you get to resolution. Resolution says or asks, what do we do now? Most marriages never get past uh, stage two. They get stuck in that reaction phase, and they don't know how to deal with their anger. And see, typically there are two reactions to anger, being aggressive and being passive. In most relationships, there's a skunk and there's a turtle. You know when the skunk is angry because they stink up the place. Turtles, when they're angry, they withdraw into their shell. Have you seen that? How many skunks do we have in the room? I have to admit, I'm a skunk. I can't hide when I'm mad. Can't do it. Just, I had a friend in college that used to try to make me mad because he said he liked the flash of, of fire in my eyes when I was mad. And so he would just try to make, I'm like, you moron. You, I can't, it's not a switch. He's like, come on, Doug, give us the mad look. Come on, give us the mad. And I'm like, you idiot. And I said, you're about to see it if you don't shut up. Come on, come on, you know. Thank you. Um, only the skunks truly understand the uh, I'm not pleased with you look. They understand how to give that look. Everybody else understands what it is. Now, the turtles, the turtles tend to hide. And typically in, in marriage, one is silent and one is a little more violent. One blows up, the other clams up. And you need to learn how to express this anger appropriately. If you don't, you're going to go around in circles. You'll get nothing resolved. You'll be stuck in phase two. Now, there's some skills that we need to learn, and the Bible is very clear. If we'll apply four steps in our conflict, we will achieve what God wants us to achieve. Anybody need to hear these four steps? Anybody's spouse need to hear these four steps? I'm just trying to stir it up now. Number one, admit my anger. Now, as we read this verse, this may come as a little bit of a surprise to some of you. God wants us to admit it, and here's why. Ephesians 4, 25 and 26. Stop lying to each other. Tell the truth. When we lie to each other, we are hurting ourselves. If you are angry, don't sin by nursing your grudge. If you're angry, don't sin by nursing your grudge. Just leave that up there just for a, a few minutes, Ashley. There is a wrong way and a right way to express anger. The Bible says when I'm angry, I'm not supposed to deny it. When I deny my anger, I'm actually sinning because I'm lying about what's going on in the inside of me. When you get angry, if you get angry, don't deny it. Don't lie to your mate. Don't lie to your friend. Don't lie to your relatives. When you're angry, you need to let someone know. You need to admit it to yourself in a calm and rational way. And you need to admit it to, admit it to someone else. What's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. Okay. 
Obviously, something's wrong, but you're going to lie to me. Okay, I'm just going to take you because you're a liar. I'm going to take you at your word. Tell the truth. The Bible says it's wrong to deny your anger. It's lying. Anger is a God-given emotion. If you never get upset over anything, you are not living in the real world. You're not in touch with reality. Anger really means you care about certain things deeply, and hopefully you do care about certain things. Sometimes the most... uh, uh, most appropriate thing in your marriage is to get angry. Even God got angry. The Bible says in the Old Testament, 375 times in the Old Testament, it says that God got angry. Anybody heard about Jesus getting angry in the New Testament? There is a way to get angry and not sin. It's possible. And and a lot of people don't realize this, but the number one cause of depression is anger that's been stuffed down on the inside. Some people say, I'm so depressed. Well, it's possible that they're just angry and they've never even bothered to admit it. The Bible says if you're going to resolve your anger first, you've got to admit it to yourself. Don't lie. Don't pretend it's not there. Then once you admit it, you can move on to begin resolving it. Step two is understand my anger. Number one is admit my anger. Step two is understand my anger. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. By implication, if you're impatient, that means you're not very wise. The more I understand my anger, the more patient I'm going to be. So we need to ask ourselves, why am I ticked off? What's upsetting me so much? Anger is actually this warning light that's going on that there's something else underneath that is the real issue. We get irritated by surface level issues. We get angry by those deep emotional life issues. Have you noticed that most arguments start with surface issues? Where they, they don't start with a real problem. They start with surface things, and you only get to the real problem after you hang in there long enough, keep talking until both of you begin to recognize this issue that irritated me. That's not the real issue. There's an underlying issue. Now, in our movie, there comes this point of epiphany where Charlie recognizes why her future mother-in-law acts the way she does. And it actually leads them to a resolution. We won't see the resolution, but we'll see why Viola is so crazy. Here it is. Don't touch me. I got out of that car the same way I got in it. Without you. Now, where is she? You here with the bride or the groom? I'm here with my mother. She looked a lot older. Did you talk to the priest? I talked to him. He's just going to skip right over that hole if anyone should object part. So. Your vision in white, sweetie, <laughs> really. Knock, knock. Look at you. And so is your mother-in-law. <clears throat> All right, everybody. Out. Out. Give the bride a moment. What is that? What? Where's your bridesmaid's dress? Oh, I gave it to Ruby's daughter. She works at Hooters. She was thrilled. You don't have a daughter? (laughs) Take off that white dress right now, or I'll take it off for you. Don't you tell me what to do. You 
did not just poke me. Don't you touch me, you two-bit tramp. Oh. Viola, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. You don't go and slap somebody and then apologize. Get some backbone. So easily. I heard you got sacked and thrown into a loony bin. Oh. My congratulations. These hors d'oeuvres taste like old socks. Oh. Now, I want to get an up close look at the bride. Holy Toledo, you are a stunner. My grandson is a lucky fella. Look what he did. He went out and found himself an exotic Latina. Would that my son had been that lucky. Here we go again. What? You were a television weather woman in Dubuque, Montana. You drove around in a broken-down minivan, and you drank red wine from a box. Ah! Classy. You killed him, you know. What? You killed him. All the doctors agreed. My son died of terminal disappointment. If anybody killed him, you did. You smothered him to death. Nobody was ever good enough for him. This woman is going to drive me insane. No, I'd rather not take all the credit. You get over here. Isn't it strange that we allow other people to control us? Um, we allow what happened to us in the past to determine our future because we're still hanging on to things that happened in our past. And, and there's a lot of root causes of anger that we need to recognize. I, I was just thinking as I was watching that clip, I, in college I lived with my oldest brother and his wife when they uh, first got married. I helped them build a house. And it was the strangest thing because my oldest brother has, has been very... Uh, has had a very significant impact on my life. He he taught me a lot about God. He taught me how to read the Bible. He he helped me to learn how to pray. Um, just uh, did a lot of things in my life. And so I love my oldest brother. I'm also one of the few people in the world who can get along with my oldest brother. And then he has this wife, and she's just this this really incredible lady. And they just don't see eye to eye on anything. And so we'd be sitting around or something would happen and, and Larry would just get upset with, with my uh, sister-in-law and he would say something really mean and then she would get upset and, and she might go over here, she might say something back and then, and then they would just have this thing and I'd go, what are y'all doing? And my brother's like, what? Shut up. And I said, no, you're an idiot. And he, that's not the way to talk to a skunk, by the way, because you will get messed on. Um, but... But I said, why are you so upset? And he said, well, she said this. I said, were we in the same room? That is not what she said. Let me tell you verbatim what she said. And I would say, she said this, this, this. Well, that's not what she meant. So you're a mind reader then. You, she, she's so 
uh, she's such a manipulator that she said one thing and meant another thing. Well, no, that's not what I meant. Well, that's what you said. And we would have this talk. Well, just I think it was a Christmas this year. We were home and, and uh, something happened. And I said, Larry, that is not what she said. And Sandra goes, Doug, would you please move back in with us? We haven't been the same since you moved out 20 years ago. But the thing was, I was not emotionally involved. So I could hear where she was coming from. I could hear where he was coming from. In counseling, that's what happens a lot of times. People come to me. Um, I'm not a licensed counselor, but I've, I've been in church work a long time. I've seen a lot of stuff go on. I do a lot of premarital counseling. I do a lot of postmarital counseling or in marriage counseling. What usually happens is people describe their sides to me and I can see both sides because I'm not emotionally involved there. What we've got to begin to do is recognize that sometimes the irritation is not even the real problem. Let me give you some examples. Root causes of anger. One time when I get upset is when, or you get upset is when you feel unaccepted. When you reject who I am, when you compare me to other people, when you nag me, when you make fun of me, I get angry. One of my core fears is being belittled. Because that's something that happened all the time when I was growing up. So if you come to me and I think you're belittling me, it doesn't matter what the issue is. We're going to have conflict because you have belittled who I am. It doesn't even matter. You see, the issue that irritates me may set me off, but all it's doing is causing my defenses to come up. Janie will say to me sometimes, have I belittled you? And then I recognize, oh, yeah, that's how I was feeling. And what I do then is I think... Janie, of all people, would she ever try to belittle me? The truth of the situation is no. There is no one on this earth that loves me as much as she does. And if I just sit back and understand, I'm the one that's upset. It's not her fault. I chose to get upset because of what she said. See, the core issue is I feel unappreciated or belittled. And we're going to have conflict. You do too. Another reason or a root cause of anger is when I feel unappreciated. When you take me for granted, don't value my hard work, don't value my effort at home or at work. When everything else in the world seems more important than me, I get angry. Husbands, one of the leading causes of problems in your marriage is your wife feels that everything you do is more important to you than she is. That's going to cause conflict. So then, if you want to go play golf, that's not even the issue. You want to go fishing, that's not even the issue. The issue is, you seem to love golf or fishing more than you love her. That's going to cause problems. Another root cause is when I feel unsupported. When you work against me instead of with me, when you don't share the load, when you're not feeling responsible, when you're... When, when I feel unprotected, I get angry. You do too. Another root cause is when I feel uncertain. When I don't know I can trust you, I get hurt. I get angry. When you don't tell me the truth, when I'm not certain what you're saying is right, then you and I are going to have conflict. You're going to have conflict with someone else. These are root causes. When we begin to recognize that, it can dis diffuse our anger. A wise man, his understanding gives him patience, is what the Bible says. So the key to dealing with our anger is to understand it. The bottom line in 90% of all anger that we have, the bottom line, the root lying issues, are either hurt or fear. So when we say, I'm angry, what we really ought to say is, I'm hurt or I'm disappointed or I'm afraid. I'm scared you're going to hurt me again. And so I'm going to react in this way that's defensive and probably is going to escalate our argument. When you begin to focus on hurt and fear, then you're getting to the real issues instead of dealing with anger, which leads us back into this horrible cycle all the time. Step number three is deal with anger immediately. 
Procrastination is not our friend when we are angry with someone. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. When you are angry, do not sin. And be sure to stop being angry before the end of the day. Do not give the devil a way to defeat you. The basic principle is resolve that day's anger issues by the end of the day. When you don't, what you're doing, the Bible says what you're doing is you're throwing open the doors of your heart and you're inviting Satan to live in your heart. Now, who would in their, in their right mind would say, oh, the enemy of God, the enemy of all things right and pure and innocent. I want you to live in my heart. Nobody would consciously do that. But subconsciously, we do it all the time when we refuse to deal with our anger issues. This is a great literal rule. If you're married, this is a literal rule for your marriage. You ought not to go to sleep that night before you resolve your anger issues. Well, I need some space. Well, take your little space your little pouty self outside, take 30 minutes off, and then come back and be a big person. Put your big boy pants on or your big girl pants on and come back and be an adult and deal with the issue. You may have to stay up all night. Janie and I have done this. Even recently, we've stayed up for hours trying to resolve issues. Why? Because we're hurting ourselves. The Bible says it in Job 18.4. You are only hurting yourself with your anger. The longer you wait to, to declare to someone or to admit your anger, the more it's going to build up. When you're angry and you don't share it immediately, it builds and builds. You think about it, you worry about it, you meditate on it. It gets bigger and bigger until it expands all out of proportion of what the original issue even was. The more you hold it in, the more it builds up. Doctors or psychologists will tell you that anger is energy. It's got to be expressed. When I swallow my anger, my stomach keeps score. If I don't talk it out, I'm going to take it out on myself. The Bible says to deal with it quickly. But why do we do this? Because the anger actually produces a biochemical change in your body. People get flushed. Have you noticed? Can you tell when someone's mad? Yeah. Eyes get all wide, neck gets all tight, veins start popping out the head, at least the skunks in the room. Get angry. People say, that burns me up. It does. That's what's happening is this, these adrenal glands go into overload and you're supposed to express those things. That's the way God designed you. Have you ever had somebody, you know, that burns me up. He's such a pain in the back. <laughs> gotcha. Do you know some people, maybe your back pain is, the, is, is caused because you have unresolved anger? It will show up in your body somewhere. Could be headaches, could be backaches, because you're not expressing and resolving anger in the right way. The Bible says we're supposed to do it quickly. <laughs> what we think will happen is we, if we ignore it, if we push it under the table, or if we sweep it under the rug, that it will just die, right? That's the way a lot of us handle anger. The problem is, like some of those old horror movies where it never dies, it doesn't matter, whatever it is, it never dies. And, and you could see it growing <laughs> and it expands and it comes back bigger and more powerful than before. That's what happens to anger in our lives. Now, let me let me explain something to you. Anger is not always wrong. The Bible says that there is a way to be angry and sin. There's a way to be angry and not sin. Anger is not always wrong, but bitterness and resentment 100 percent of the time. They're wrong. It is sin. So we've got to learn to deal with it. If you are angry, don't sin by nursing a grudge. If you hold on to it, it becomes resentment. 
All right, so admit it. That's the first step. Understand why you're really angry. Deal immediately with your anger. And step four is control your anger. It is possible to do that. Proverbs 29.11, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. All right, how do we become wise men and women who keep ourselves under control? Well, we've got to learn to communicate our feelings without attacking. We, we don't fix, um, we fix the problem, not fix blame on someone else. So we're not attacking the other person, we're attacking the issue. The Bible gives us some very practical suggestions. Probably everybody here has heard this verse. It's James 1.19. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So here's the deal. If I love you enough, and, and by the way, when you have a problem with me and you don't come to me and talk to me, what you are saying, whether you mean this or not, what you're saying is I'm too immature to handle whatever it is you need to say to me. If you don't want to go to someone else, what you're saying is they are too immature. There's no way they could be an adult. God himself is not powerful enough to resolve my issues. He can raise Jesus Christ from the dead. He can pay the penalty of sin, but he can't resolve this issue. How big is your God? First thing we've got to do is we go to the person and we listen to them. And, and if you know somebody's got a problem with you and they're not coming to you, go to them. You be the bigger person. I heard somebody say that years ago and it just ticks me off. Because he said, the more mature person will always make the first move. I am rarely the more mature person. That's what ticks me off. But I'll hear that in the back of my mind. God, and Janie helps me. What are you going to do? I don't want to do anything. What are you going to do? I'm going to do what's right. Just leave me alone. I'm mad. So when you listen... Then you're slow to speak. You listen more than you speak. If you do the first two things, if you're quick to listen, slow to speak, number three comes naturally. You'll be slow to become angry. That's automatic. Quick to listen, slow to speak, you will be slow to anger. So what the Bible is telling us is put our minds and our ears in gear before our mouth engages. We need to sit in neutral for a little bit. Let those RPMs come down on the engine. You ever seen what happens if you rev up the engine when you're in first gear and then pop the clutch? There's a lurch of energy. That's what happens in a lot of our conflict situations. And the other person is going to be defensive. You got a big old car coming towards you. You're going to do something to protect yourself. So the Bible says, let's not do the car thing. In fact, let's, let's just calm down. Let's listen. Then we can speak when we're smart. You never regret waiting to speak, do you? It's We regret, oh, I didn't mean that. Well, it's already come out. You can't take words back. Look at Proverbs 15.1. One of the best things you can apply to your relationships. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I don't know how many times I've been in these situations, whether it's coaching Little League Baseball. One time, um, some parents, their kid was just... He was, he was a terrible little athlete, but that had nothing to do with whether he was going to play. In the league we're in, this was, this was pretty small. There were certain kids that could smoke the ball. I mean, they would hit it hard. And so we tried to put the kids that actually had a reasonable chance of getting the glove in front of the ball, we put them on the infield. The kids that would chase butterflies and shadows, we put them in the outfield. Well, these parents were, were determined that their child was being ripped off. He was a major league baseball player in potential, but we were holding him back. And so there were two 
other coaches with me, and they would make comments from the stands during the games directed at us. And so the other two guys, man, they got ticked off. Now, I will say this is one of the few times in my life that that I just let it roll off my back because occasionally I can do that. And uh, so I just thought they don't know what they're talking about. We're actually helping their son. So after the game, these two guys go out and they start talking to this parent and they are mad. I mean, steam coming out the ears. And I was standing there going, holy cow, I better do something or this is not this will end badly. That's what I was thinking. And so I talked to him and I kind of stepped in front and I said, hey, let me just take this. So later we were talking about this and they said, it just made us so mad. They just they were just and I said, I said, but they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> if we had and I told the parent, I said, this is actually for your child's good. I, I just remain calm. I ended up being friends with both sets, with the coaches and with the parents. Because of this verse, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The others still don't talk to one another. They can't stand the sight of one another because there were issues and words that you can't take those things back. Well, okay, how do you do a gentle answer? How are you gentle with your words? Three quick things. And I didn't put these on your listening guide. I should have. So write these down if you would. First is be brief. (laughs) If you go on and on about all of the failings of the other person for 20 minutes without coming up for a breath, even if you do it while smiling, that is not gentle. Right? And and let me just tell you this too. (laughs) Don't go up to somebody and say, I'm telling you this in love. You're freaking lying. Right to their face. If you have to say it's in love, you got problems, you got issues. You're trying to control them and you're trying to hide behind the Bible to say your stuff. You come to me in the right attitude, I'll know whether you love me or not. It'll be real evident the way you come to me and the way you go to other people. It's real evident. So be brief. (laughs) Number two is be specific. Don't tell your husband, I wish you'd be neater. What does that mean? Well, okay, you're a slob, but that's still that. No, I'm not. I wash once a week. I mean, we got to be specific. More specific would be to say something. And by the way, don't use you statements. You're a slob. Those are those are never, never, never use those words. What you can say is I feel you're putting the focus on you. When this happens, I feel this way. So be specific. When when there is dirty underwear that used to be on your body that's occupying the middle of the living room floor, that makes me feel like you don't care about me. What do you mean? I just need change underwear. No. Um, you understand what? When, when there are dirty socks hanging on the doorknob to our bedroom, I feel... You see, that's being more specific instead of would you be would you be sweeter? What does that mean? Would you be more loving? Sure, baby. If it gives me what I want. I mean, that's how we react a lot of times. Be specific. Find a time when you can talk and share with each other your deepest needs, thoughts, feelings. And it will be worth your while. Not just in the bedroom. That that happens. I know that's right, baby. But it will, it will help every aspect of your relationship. You want to be better parents? Work on your relationship with your spouse. If you are divorced and you've got children, 
in the deal. The most loving thing you can do is never say anything bad about the divorced, the other spouse. Your kids are, are in enough hurt and pain. They don't need you and the other spouse ripping people they love apart. So be specific. The third one is be humble. Proverbs 13.10 says, Pride leads to conflict. Okay, so here's the, here's the bottom line issue. If you and I have conflict, my ego is involved and your ego is involved. When egos come into contact, what happens? We have conflict. And humility is the exact opposite of me having this self-serving ego. Humility is the opposite of pride. Look at Ephesians 4.29. Do not use harmful words in talking. Use only helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what is needed. When you're in a conflict situation, there needs to be some ground rules. There needs to be some phrases that you don't use. Any phrase that starts with you never or you always, never and always, that's just fighting words. That also means you are focused on the issue and you're not focused on the other person. If you say, because with guys, I mean, I'm, I'm a guy. You come to me and you say, you never talk to me. I'm like, May 4th, 1999. I said, hi to you at Walmart. <clears throat> Take that. Never. 99 times out of 100, I might not, but there was one time I did. But you tell me never. Right? Or you always, oh, no, 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 no. Last week, I picked up my underwear and put it in the dirty clothes bin. I always leave them on the floor. Uh-uh. And we miss the issue, right? <laughs> we are the most immature <laughs> folks running around in bodies that are that look like adults, right? I know that's right. And we all do it. All right, here's Romans 12:18. We're going to finish this up. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, we're going to talk more about this verse next week because sometimes it is not possible to live at peace with someone. Sometimes people will not live at peace with you. You can be specific with them. You can be brief. You can be humble. And they are not going to take what you had to say. They're not going to take your efforts. And they are not going to live at peace with you. What do you do in that situation? The Bible says you forgive them. Because if you don't, you're just dragging them around with you wherever you go. You get married to another person, you're dragging them around with you. You go anywhere in relationships, you're just dragging all of that old stuff around with you. And it stinks. You forgive them. You do what you can. You try to live at peace. As far as it depends on you, the Bible says you live at peace with everyone. Now, we know here in America that, that freedom isn't free, right? Sometimes freedom costs. That's what we're celebrating next weekend is that there were people who bled and died so that we might have the freedom to come here. There are people in this world that do not want us to have freedom. Other countries. But there's people in your life, in your family, in your bloodline that do not want you to have freedom. And they don't want to live at peace with you. you got to forgive them. you got to do what you can and move on. If you don't, you're going to become the monster in law. We told our children, you know, the only way we'll be upset with you when you get married is if you marry the wrong person. Janie said she's, she would hang on to Caleb's ankles as he's walking down the aisle. No, no, no. That would be awesome. <laughs> Do 
But we could sure get rid of a lot of conflict if we would grow up. And, you know, I, I know at least half of the group, you're the type that's like, yeah, need to talk about it. And half of the group here, you're like, Ooh. rather take chemo than, than try to resolve conflict. Well, you gotta decide, are you gonna follow the Bible or not? All of us have authorities, and, and this is this is my authority. Now, I don't always follow it, but I can guarantee you that, that if something is said in here, God says something, He is going to mess with my heart until I do. And I may not like it, I may be upset, but I'm a, if I know you have a problem with me, I'm going to knock on your door sometime, or I'm going to go to lunch with you sometime. Not because I'm spiritually mature, it's because God won't leave me alone until I do what He says. And every time I've done it, every time I've gone to someone and conflict has been resolved, I drive away from there. I don't know how many times I've called Janie and said, the Word of God works. That's how Christians are supposed to handle their lives. We're supposed to be adult enough and care enough that we go and we talk to each other and we resolve issues. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guards my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus as I drive away from there. Try it. You might like it.